Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first Guatemalan edition of Tiny DevOps. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Hall. Uh, on this show, we like to talk about DevOps for small teams, small companies. Um, and today, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm in Guatemala uh, visiting my uh, wife's family. Uh, we're here for a few weeks. Um, so I apologize for the roosters you might be hearing in the background, uh, but that's what's going on. Uh, welcome to the show, roosters. More importantly, though, my, my guest of honor today is Emily Omir. Uh, hi, Emily. Thanks for coming on. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, you have kind of a unique um, value proposition for your business and your consultancy. Tell us what you do and, and, and what's unique about the services you offer. Yeah, so I help uh, open source startups with their positioning. So uh, first of all, open source startups, um, that's sort of a squishy term, I suppose. Uh, but the way that I define it is just any company that is sort of tightly connected to an open source project. Uh, sometimes this means, and the sort of most, most traditional open source project or open source startup is a um, open core, so a company that's following a, an open core strategy. Uh, but there's a lot of ways that a company could be connected to an open source project. Sometimes it's a lot more loosely than, than that we have, you know, an open core strategy. Um, and I help them with positioning. And uh, positioning is basically about uh, determining what label to slap on yourself. And uh, the, the key is it has to be something that people understand and uh, it has to um, highlight the, the value that you provide and you, meaning uh, your open source project and whatever thing you do to make money. And uh, you also have to have a relationship between the two that makes sense. And that's one of the unique things about, about what I do is um, helping companies figure out how to position both and how to position them uh, in relationship to each other. That's really fascinating. Um, I can imagine that it's, that's a big challenge. I mean, I, I've, I've actually worked with a few companies that have an open source component or, or something like that. And, and often they kind of have the attitude that if you build it, they will come. And I, I imagine you see that a lot, you know, oh, we're going to open source this thing and everyone's going to want it. Does it ever work like that? Um, does it ever work like that? Um, sort of, maybe, but for the <laughs> most part, you know, usually, usually when somebody has a story like that, there's, there's some sort of, um, there's something that they're not telling you, basically. Um, okay. There's almost always some, you know, the, the way that I would put it, uh, I know that like people don't like to use the word marketing, but you, you kind of have to tell people that your open source project exists, uh, whether this is just like a side project um, or you're building a company around it. Like if, if you care about getting people to use your open source project, you do have to tell people that, that it exists. And uh, you... And you have to make have it make sense. Um, I mean, there's literally millions of open source projects. I think there's like eight million on GitHub or something like that. So uh, there's there's a lot of noise out there. And if somebody doesn't understand what your project is doing, I'm and and I'm talking like even even outside of any outreach, like somebody lands on your readme. And if it doesn't make clear why they should care about their about this project, and and by that I mean like, what does this project accomplish, and um, who is it for, 
you know, people have short attention spans. If they don't get that in the first, you know, 30 seconds, they're off to see if another one is going to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. How is that different than a non-open source product? You know, if I want to sell a, an e-course about knitting, uh, I need to, to make the same points, don't I? Or, or is it different for open source? Well, so yes. Uh, and first of all, I will say that I don't know, I, I can't really speak about um, positioning for a consumer audience because it doesn't okay. really make sense to me. Um, yeah. That's not true. It does make sense to me, but it's just, it's like a mindset that I, that I don't get. So I'm, I'm sure. pretty hard into the, the, the B2B. Um, honestly, mo mostly because I'm not much of a consumer myself. So it's hard for me to get into the, <laughs> into the mindset of somebody making a, a consumer purchase. Um, okay. but in terms of the difference between a, a product and uh, an open source project, so I would say there's not a huge difference between like an open source project and another dev tool. Uh, but the, the thing that you get into with, um, with open source projects is that you will always be selling shoes to shoemakers. So your, your audience will almost always be somebody who is able and and will and and wants to look under the hood and see what's going on, and um, likely, uh, well, possibly they are not actually able to create the thing that you've created themselves, um, but they think that they can. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yes. That, that that's that that is a distinction, but that that just means like if you're selling software to accountants, that the accountant is never going to be like, oh, you know, I could just I could just do this myself. Um, and I, I do it so much better. But when when you are selling um, a dev tool or when you're selling, uh, well, not selling, uh, when you're promoting an open source project, uh, there will always be that aspect uh, in in whatever communication you're doing, um, especially because, you know, when you're doing when you're marketing in an open source project, did I just say marketing? Sorry. When you're promoting, I'll use some <laughs> other word beside marketing. Um, so when you're trying to get people to use your open source project, you, you aren't just thinking about having people use it, right? You're thinking about getting people involved. Um, ultimately, you would like to perhaps uh, recruit some more contributors. And uh, you think about things like, you know, contributor ladders and things like that. Um, and, and in fact, you know, you have to think about what your goal is even before you start positioning, because sometimes the profile of who's going to be a super user isn't the same as somebody who's going to end up contributing back or who's going to get involved in some other way, you know, just like making comments or um, attending an event or something like that. I, I feel like that that concept of selling shoes to shoemakers is it's something that a lot of technical people try to do even when they shouldn't. Uh, in, in other words, uh, as a as a practitioner or, or a developer or an engineer on, on a team, I approach my product owner or my boss and I'm trying to sell him things on the technical merits that he probably doesn't care about. He's not a shoemaker. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, how do you, how do you address that? Um, Let's start with the open source thing, because um, you know, often your decision makers, I'm expecting, aren't shoemakers, but they're relying on the opinion of other shoemakers to, to choose a tool. So suppose you're choosing, uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, a, a workflow tool or something like that. You know, you, you want you want your developers, your engineers to understand it and to, to be excited about it. But as the decision maker, you may not be technical. Um, 
So how do you address that uh, without alienating the other shoemakers who are also evaluating the tool? How do you how do you bridge that chasm, if you will? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So first of all, uh, you even if you are selling a technical product to a technical audience, um, or you know you're marketing a an open source project, all of your audience is going to be software engineers. You really still have to focus on value, and th this is a mistake that I see people make. They'll uh, lead with the features, and then they'll say, "Oh, you know, well, I'm I'm selling shoes to shoemakers, so they they really want to know like how many, like how long the laces are, or something like that." Um, I'm I might be like winding down the shoemaker analogy soon. Um, <laughs> it, anyway, the 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 point is that. Uh, even if you're selling a technical product or marketing an open source project to a technical audience, they still are they still care about value and they still care about the outcome that they get from from that project. So when they go to uh, your README or they go to your website site uh, of the open source project, the first thing that they see should be about what outcome they get from using this project. So whether that is, you know, you'll never write another YAML script or you'll um, get away from CI lock-in or I don't know, whatever whatever your your project does, right? They, they want to know what the thing is that, that you help them accomplish. And then, so you can't totally neglect talking about how, but nobody will care how you you accomplish that goal until they've es established what you accomplish so that's really important because people need to know uh, what it is that they get out of this project and they need to understand that really fast because otherwise they'll just they'll just move on so um then next i wanted to just say it it, it does differ and this is one of the difference differences between an open source project and um, just a commercial product is there's different adoption patterns so you wouldn't usually, you know, the, the whole thing about open source is that anybody can go um, download it, start using it. And that's usually the adoption pattern, even if you have like a, a company using an open source project. It's usually that some individual engineers have have gotten interested. Maybe they tell their colleagues about it, whatever. Um, they're probably not having to have that business conversation um, or at least you as the maintainer of this project aren't having to sell to or aren't having to, you know, convince non-technical people to use your open source project. Um, that does, that's different when you have a commercial product. Usually when you have a commercial product, uh, you, you do, you know, at the beginning, you have to bring in the sort of business, the buyer persona, right? And they have different needs and, and you have to address those. So um, the, the key is though, you, so whether you have it just an open source project or a, a commercial product or both, as with most of the, the companies I work with, uh, you do have to recognize that there are different stakeholders. And the key is uh, you have to understand what the adoption pattern is for your particular thing. Um, and you want to adjust how you talk about it based on that adoption pattern. So if your adoption pattern is that you have um, an individual contributor who discovers your open source project, uh, they talk to their boss, their boss signs off on it, and now everyone in the organization uses it, then obviously you want to be 
talking directly to the needs of that individual contributor. On the other hand, uh, you know, if you have a commercial product usually that uh, is super useful to the boss um, and it will usually be the sort of boss persona. And the boss persona actually might not be a non-technical person. We could be talking about like a VP of engineering here. Uh, but the, the bottom line is that somebody like a CTO or a VP of engineering is, has, has different needs than an individual contributor. And part of their job is to care more about, about businessy stuff. And so just as a result of that, they you have to be able to make a, a, a more business-focused pitch in order for them to really see that this is something that meets their needs. So I'm, I'm not even talking about like a totally non-technical person, just that it's somebody who's who has more business metrics in their job title. Um, so if that is the person that usually is, is the champion for your product, then you need to, to speak to that person's needs. On the other hand, you also can't neglect those other stakeholders completely, right? Because you need to make it easy. You know, the individual contributor finds your open source project or finds your product, um, goes to have a meeting with with their boss. Uh, make it easy for that person, right? Have like some a website uh, or have like a, a page on your website that you can that that person can send to their boss or something that they can like a PDF that they can download and say, look, here's some talking points. Like make it easy for them. Uh, and, you know, same goes if if you're have a, a more of a top down a, adoption pattern, um, you know, ultimately the the VP of engineering isn't isn't going to like, you know, want to totally force, you know, like whip their uh, their um, direct reports or their individual contributors into shape like they want to convince them that this is a good tool, make it easy for them. I hear what sounds to me like a lot of parallels with just communication in general. Uh, I mean, if, if you're trying to convince your spouse that you want to go to dinner at place X versus Y, you need to convince them the value of going to place X versus Y. Um, do you have any uh, ad advice uh, for people who maybe aren't doing open source projects uh, just to communicate within their team, with their with their colleagues, with their stakeholders, with their with their boss? Uh, when you're trying to, to influence a decision somehow, what, what, what do you need to focus on? What are the say top two or three things to focus on in that sort of scenario? Yeah, so um, actually I'm, I'm glad that you brought the, the parallels with just in general uh, communication uh, because it, it's true. You know, one of the best practices of any sort of communication, especially when you're trying to persuade someone is understanding what matters to the other person and what matters to the other person is very likely not the same as what matters to you. Um, and, you know, if we talk about this in, an, in you know, an employment situation, um, maybe if they have, you know, precisely the same job title and, and role as you, they, they might have the same needs and you don't have to think about it too much. Uh, on the other hand, if they have, uh, you know, a different job title and oftentimes, you know, particularly in, in a, a DevOps scenario, right, you'd be on one team, but each person has a slightly different responsibility. Well, that means that the, somebody who is responsible for, uh, let's say, security, um, that person is evaluated uh, on different metrics than you might be. Uh, they are you know, you have your security person and your app developer, for example, the, the metrics that they're evaluated on are different. Um, what 
leads them to get, you know, a promotion is different. What leads them to get fired is different. Um, what just leads them to sort of feel like they've done a really good job in, in their, in their job is, is different. And so when you're making a pitch to somebody, uh, you have to consider that. And if you're just making a pitch for, you know, we could, we should use this tool or we should do X and you're only talking about reasons why it benefits you or why it benefits somebody like you, uh, that's going to fall really flat. Uh, instead, you have to think about, you know, this is why it's this is valuable to somebody like you. You know, I'm the app developer talking to the CTO and I'm saying, you know, this this is why it's going to make our whole organization look good. Um, this is why it's going to help us meet X, Y, Z metrics that are the metrics that you are at you, you know, CEO or CTO are, are evaluated on. So uh, that's really the core uh, is is understanding, you know, what matters to, to that person that you're speaking to. So you need some empathy. You need, you to, really need, understand. You need to start with empathy. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, there's there's also the issue of using language that that person understands. Um, if you're inside of a technical organization, you can be technical. But yeah, if you particularly this is going to be the case if you're at a small company and uh, you're going to be making a, a lot of these pitches, you know, directly to a business owner, a, a, a CEO, and that person probably doesn't really understand uh, a lot of the technical jargon. And uh, that's great. You know, that's not uh, that that's not their job to understand the, the technical jargon. They, they have a different job. And um, I, I say that because I think there's sometimes a tendency to, like, look down on people who don't get the technical the technical stuff. Um, it's it's not that they're in some ways like less capable. It's just they have a different job. They do stuff that probably like you can't do um, or would struggle to do. So. Um, so, but you you have to, you know, if you want to make a some sort of pitch, you you have to make it in the language that they understand. So use the language of business uh, to talk about why this particular, um, you know, tool is necessary or why you need to spend, you know, a month uh, rewriting this particular application instead of creating new features or whatever it is, you know, talk about things that they care about, which, you know, if you're talking to a business owner, it's all going to be about, you know, this is going to increase our revenue, or this is going to make our customers more happy, or, um, you know, it's, it's going to make our, uh, it's going to sort of future proof our, our application. So we're, we're going to basically like, you know, have, have a, a more stable application that we can rely on for a longer period of time. So you use the language that, that they will understand. Uh, don't get into the technical weeds. They don't care. Back to the topic of, of open source a little bit here. Um, when you're promoting an open source project, as a company, you're promoting an open source project. There, there's a lot more, I, I, I think, there's a lot more than just getting people to use your software. You probably also want to get people to contribute to your software, for example. Uh, I mean, uh, that, that's... <clears throat> I, I think there's at least two different models. I mean, I, I've seen companies where they, they actively want op, uh, contributors to their open source project to, to build a community. Others who don't care, they, they just, they, they make something available. And if you want to contribute, that's fine. Um, but how, how do you, let, let's just start with how do you, uh, 
appeal to potential contributors on an open source project? Uh, is that something you, you deal with and, and how do you approach that? So uh, first I wanted to address like, do you want contributors? And it, it all comes back to, you know, this is like sort of even more fundamental than thinking about how to position your open source project, but like asking yourself why? <laughs> why did you open source this project in the first place? Um, and there, there's different answers to, to that question. And, and there's not necessarily like a, a right answer and a wrong answer. So you do need to understand that. Uh, and then the, the next piece is, uh, let's say, you know, your goal is community growth. All right. This is a big one for people that are um, ha have an open source project. Well, what does community growth mean? Uh, there, there are different ways to define community growth. Like it could be a growth in um, number of downloads. Um, that's actually a, a metric that, that people will look at, but you don't know how many people are actually using it if, you're, if it's just that people have downloaded it. Um, it could be the number of active users. Um, it could be the number of people who... Um, aren't contributing code back, but are are active in the community, like they're asking questions. Um, it could be contributors. Um, and, you know, even in, in, in some open source projects, it could be that you'd like to recruit another maintainer. Um, so you do have to know how you define uh, c community growth and and why this open source project matters in the first place is going to give you clues to which one of those metrics uh, matters the most to you. And, um, you know, like, do you want people contributing code or not? It all depends on what your what your goals are for the project, uh, for the for the project, and and then also for your for your your product and how you view them as being interrelated, um, uh, or or not very interrelated. I do usually see that the companies for whom, you know, there's a, it's very sort of tight and open source is really, really critical to their identity as a company. Those companies are more likely to be interested in um, really creating a community, which includes, you know, the, the, the code contributions. Um, and in, I, I would say it's sort of skewed towards the, not just active users, but like active community members, which I think is, I, I think of as people who would like go to an event, um, make comments on in the Slack group, um, not necessarily contributing code back, but that's also included, like the code co contributions, but just like contributions to the community. Um, and then people for whom the open source project is, is less critical to their identity as a, as a business, um, they will generally not care so much about about those particular metrics and they're usually looking at like number of users let's take a step back then uh, you, you 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 did a good job of reeling me back a little bit but i want to go back a little bit further and address what are the top most common reasons that a company would choose to open source something uh because that because that's going to feed into the we should have done this in reverse order but that will feed into what we just discussed but what are the top reasons that a company would choose to do open source so the first reason that comes into my head actually is that uh 
they, they can't imagine not doing an open source, um, which is to say, you know, I, I work with a lot of companies that are in the infrastructure space and the, the cloud native uh, space. And um, the, they'll basically just say, like, you know, I don't want to get up on a stage, talk about my company and not have an open source component. Like, I, I don't feel I, I feel like having open an open source component is it's just table stakes. It's like that's it's it's a core part of of being credible in in this um, ecosystem. So um, I don't know. Um, I, I don't want that to sound like these the the founders who say that are self serving. I don't think it's that. It's just that they they consider like uh, you you just kind of have to like if you want to play play in this space you you have to you have to be open source. Um. There are other reasons. So I think anybody who um, whose goal, uh, sort of their, their company mission is is really about like dominating a, a very specific type of of tool. Um, I don't think you're ever going to totally, you know, dominate the mindshare unless there's an open source component. Of course, we're talking about, you know, a tool that that software engineers use. Um, I think, it, you know, you kind of have to have an open source component if you really want to be considered like, um, you know, the best at X. Um, because, Do you have an example uh, uh, of a tool that fits in that category? Um, I don't have a good example. There, there is there is a company I'm, I'm thinking of um, they that I'm I, I think should um, have a, a better open source strategy, um, particularly for this this reason because they they want to um, yeah I, I could I'll, I'll I'll out them slightly but anyway they um, want to be the 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 place that you go to if you're incorporating a keyboard into your application and this it's 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 an excellent idea. Um, but I don't think, you know, in, in order to really dominate this uh, really specific niche, you have to have an open source because there's a lot of developers that are that are going to be looking for for something that's open source and disappointed if they don't find it. And so you're almost asking somebody else to, to come into the market. The next thing I wanted to say is if your mission is anything about uh, democratizing X, uh, that's that's sort of the same, uh, and and I do talk to a lot of companies that uh, part of their mission is you know democratizing X. Um, I I just worked with a, a company recently whose uh, uh, part of their goal is uh, democratizing uh, privacy. So a lot of privacy tools have only been available to really really huge companies uh, because they're hard to develop, basically. And so they have a, a privacy tool that software engineers can use, like that developers can use as, as part of their their development process. And uh, it there's an open source and a commercial product. And in, in their case, one of the reasons to have an open source project is because, well, their their goal is to democratize access to this this kind of tool. And um, they like in order to do that, you you like. Open source is the way to accomplish that that mission. So those are the two reasons it sounds like that you deal with the most. Is that is that fair? No, because then I'm going to get into no? the more self-serving <laughs> ones. 
Um, okay. I mean, and then there's <laughs> like uh, open source can also like quite honestly be a marketing play. And um, people don't like to say this out loud, um, but I, I think that this is a, a a real reason that people do open source. And uh, it, it uh, I, I don't think that people should think of their open source project as like a lead pipeline. Um, there are people out there that definitely do. Um, and then there, there are people also who just do, you know, open source is like a, a part of our adoption play, like we have people adopt the open source and then once the CTO finds out, then the CTO decides that that's something we need to pay for. We need to pay for support. And then, you know, bada boom, now we have a new customer. And um, while I personally don't like to, I don't encourage people to think of their open source project as just a marketing play. Um, I, I, um, I actually think that you get more value out, out of the open source uh, project, you know, more business value for the company maintaining the open source project if you don't think of it as just a marketing play. Um, but uh, I, I do think that, that that is how some people think of it. What about companies that they have a closed source core, but they have an open source, say, SDK or something like that? Uh, is that kind of a special case? Because usually mm -hmm. they're just trying to let you integrate with your other stuff without paying licensing fees or something. Uh, how does that figure into your uh, your business or your th your thinking on the topic? Yeah, I, I think that that's a little bit different. I mean, they're not trying to um, that that's a different kind of open source model. And in that case, I would say the the open source SDK is just like um, you know, it's an adoption play. Uh, they're they're trying to make their their product more accessible to more people. Um, but you know, you're still if you they're still going to have to pay if you want to use the product. What about what about companies that look for, uh, oh, I, don't, I don't know if companies do this or more like open source organizations, but you know, if you want to sponsor an open source project or, or maybe individual uh, maintainers will do that. You can certainly do that on GitHub these days. You can put up a sponsorship thing, sponsor my package. Is that something you see companies doing or, or is that more of a, like a, a nonprofit uh, individual type, type uh, approach? Uh, yeah, so I, I will say I don't know a ton about this. This is kind of outside uh, the outside of my specialty. Um, on the other mm -hmm. hand, I don't know zero about it because, uh, you know, I, I, I should go to conferences and like listen to talks about stuff like this. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, the from what I have heard, uh, this is definitely a thing that happens. And, um, you know, companies there is a couple of challenges. First of all, if you are if you are the open source maintainer who's asking for some sort of contribution, um, there are some types of projects that are more visible than others. And one of the unfortunate things is that a lot of really like fundamental open source projects, you know, the, the kind of thing that like everybody uses, um, often they're the least visible to, to people. People uh, they're sort of taken for granted, and so um, even though it it might be like really critical, that often they're they're less likely to to be supported financially. Um, another takeaway that that I had actually I, I I went to a talk about this um, at the uh, the Linux Foundation member summit, um, but uh, another takeaway that I had is that it's um, it's harder than you expect for a for a large company to just 
send money to somebody um, because uh, that's not how big companies work. They have to have like a purchase order and it there's like all sorts of implications if they if they're sending you money like is this a, is this a donation to like a nonprofit? Is this a, um, a you know they have to like have you sign paperwork that you're not an employee? I mean, there's it's it's not just as simple, um, you know. Often for like a, a VP of engineering to take out their company card and be like, "Hey, I'm uh, let's see who who am I going to send money to today?" Um, it's it's often more complicated than that. Uh, just from like a a you know, bureaucracy perspective. Um, so if you have an open source project and you you want to to have people send you money, um, keep those things in mind. And um, there's some steps you can take to make it easier. Um, I know that, uh, you know, th there could be things like incorporating a business or, you know, ha having some sort of document that you can easily send to people who would like to give you money. Um, and, and then the last thing is, yeah, just like make it as easy as possible if, if, um, if, if you want people to give you money. Companies know, so companies that use open source, like they recognize that, that they're relying on, on open source projects and, uh, they don't want them to go away. And, and this is a challenge I think in the open source ecosystem in general is, um, and in fact, it's, it's why I think that it's why I think a lot of companies love open core uh, because they feel confident that this open source project isn't going to go away because there's a company behind it and it's going to be sustainable. Um, but yeah, they like, like people who use open source, particularly those at large companies, like they're, they're very aware of, of how critical it is. I was working with a client recently who was considering uh, open sourcing a, a very small uh, module of some sort. Their reason was because um, they could get some sort of corporate sponsorship. I don't remember how, how it worked, what, if it was compensation or if it was just somebody going to support the thing or what it was. But they got some sort of sponsorship if they wrote a module and open sourced it. So they, they were going to do all the work in-house. They were going to, you know, they, and they didn't, they didn't want to build a community. It, it wasn't a marketing ploy. It wasn't anything like that. It was just to get, uh, to, to, check, to check a box, basically, to get some benefit. Uh, so, that, so that's one reason I've seen uh, a company recently considering open source. But what are other reasons uh, that, that maybe listeners should consider or not consider doing open source if they're thinking about it? If they're on the fence, should we open source our product or part of our product? What are the things they, sh they should consider uh, in making that decision? So um, one one aspect that we haven't touched on, and I, I apologize because I'm like so biased towards the startups scene, um, but there's a lot of individuals who, who create uh, open source projects. And uh, that I, I wish I had statistics, actually. I'm curious how many uh, open, how, what percentage of open source projects are just sort of created by an individual. Um, that uh, I think has a lot of benefits, uh, particularly, you know, if you're not uh, super well established in, in the industry, um, it can be a, like a really compelling way for to like establish that, you know, that you're good at what you do and um, to it can become sort of a calling card if you're uh, looking for, uh, you know, if you're a consultant, if you're looking for consulting gigs, if you're looking for a job, um, I think that is an excellent reason to to have an open source project. 
I can attest to that. I, I have an open source project that, that's, that's landed me several jobs, so it, 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 it works. It, it takes time. It's not a quick, a quick turnaround, but uh, yeah, it works. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, this, it's, I think the other thing about open source, no matter what your open source uh, reason, what your reasons for doing open source, um, it is not a, a, you know, quick ROI type of thing, wh yeah. whether you're a, a startup. Um, and in fact, I think uh, a lot of open source startups are uh, slower to like hit revenue mile milestones um, because they're developing two products basically um, whereas a just a, a pure closed source is they're they're focused on just one um, I do think that you know ultimately they, they can win the race for sure um, but the, the sort of early days it's 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 a slog and um, yeah the same if you're an individual um, developing an open source project because um, you know you want to upskill yourself you want to get a better job whatever yeah it's it's not going to be immediate for sure um and then another reason that i hear companies open sourcing is actually for recruiting uh because um and this isn't this is this is like big companies uh if it's a a, a non uh uh let's see a, a company that is not creating developer tools um then often their open source projects will have the, they'll have a, a recruitment element to to why they're doing it. You know, they see people from the the community, and they can sort of use their um, open source project and people who are involved in that open source project as like a recruiting pipeline. Um, there's a, another thing, uh, you know, again for companies that are not necessarily creating a you know developer facing tool, but um, an open source project can be a way to collaborate uh, with other people in the industry um, that on on something that's like table stakes for everyone. And uh, that that's certainly a, a reason that I see that's it's a very good reason to to um, work on an open source project. Um, it, it's slightly it, it's rarer, I feel like, to have open source projects that, uh, that are in that category, but I feel like they um, are a little bit more, uh, I want to say pure, like the, the pure open source like ethos when you have, you know, a bunch of companies, some of whom may even be competitors uh, working together on an open source project that solves some sort of like, you know, fundamental problem that doesn't add any value to any of their products, but, but has to be solved. Um, and uh, I, I just actually spoke with the folks from Open Telemetry, and and that's that's the category that they fall into. Um, so I think that's a, a very good reason for having an open source project. I guess the the, the thing I just want to impress on everybody is that uh, you know communication matters, and and positioning matters, even if you're dealing with technical products. Um, you know, software engineers aren't robots; they're humans, um, and they you know you have to talk to them like like humans they have the same sort of human goals as everyone else um and uh you know they if if you're trying to get people to use your open source project or if you're uh trying to get someone to use your dev tool like you, you have to have empathy for who your users and and who your who your buyers are and uh, make sure that you know your your thing makes sense that, that that's the, the technical part is always the easy part of this job. It gets all the attention, but it's the easy part. It's the it's the communication, the human 
interaction that's, uh, that's always complicated and trips us up, I think. Well, Emily, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested, if they have an open source project or are considering one and, and they think you might be able to help them? Uh, I know you also have a podcast. Maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. How can we, how can we reach out if we want to? So uh, my website is uh, emilyomir.com. Um, you can find it on the show notes, maybe. Um, yes, but, definitely. <laughs> uh, I, I know my last name is slightly hard to spell. Um, then I also have a podcast, uh, Cloud Native Startup. Um, and I, in the, the podcast, I talk to open source maintainers and uh, founders and other people who work in the, the cloud native and, and open source ecosystem. Um, obviously fairly focused on the startup world. Um, and then I write a, a blog, uh, Positioning Open Source. I have a, a couple of um, webinars out there uh, that are focused on you know, positioning for open source projects. So yeah, that's that's where I am. I'm Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn too. Um, you can connect with me on Twitter, but I'm not very active, so. Okay, great. We'll have all those details in the show notes. Thanks again, Emily, for coming on. It's been a fascinating conversation. We covered a bunch of topics, uh, how to do open source, how to communicate about open source, and in general, it's been fascinating. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I understand you have some bread to go catch up with uh, in the oven. I do. <laughs> all right, well, enjoy your bread. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. Till next time, everybody.